It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Try Haven Brand Soil Conditioners, providing generations of gardeners with a truly all-natural alternative to chemical fertilizers with their line of composted manure and alfalfa teas. Easy to brew and use on all indoor and outdoor plants. Find them online at manuretea.com. Hey, Rose friends. For October and November, we're releasing a special series we call Winter Rose Tales. This series highlights gardeners, their gardens, and what they do to care for their roses in winter. So I asked several rosarians from around the country to share their story with us. Now, regardless of where you grow roses, I am just sure you will enjoy each of these rose stories. I found them fascinating and surprising. It's amazing to hear what other gardeners deal with and just how they handle it. So on today's podcast, we have the first three of our winter rose tales. First up, we travel to the Pacific Northwest with Elena Williams. Next, grab your cowboy hat because we journey to Texas with Suzanne Gilbert. We'll end this trio strong by traveling to the beautiful mountains of North Carolina with Lynn Hunt. So grab your favorite steaming cup and enjoy these winter rose tales. Today I want to tell you a little bit about winter care for roses in the Seattle area of the Pacific Northwest. One of the things you have to realize where I live is that we're really in the northern tier of states. Um, I'm about an hour and a half south of Can Canadian border. And so the big thing here is that we lose a lot of sunlight in the fall. And so things just sort of naturally stop growing. But then what also happens is that we're close enough to the ocean and the Puget Sound area that we get a maritime effect, maritime climate. It's very, it's very interesting because the water is so deep and relatively warm. It stays like 55 degrees all year round. And so that the air that flows over this water moderates any cold air that might be coming out of Canada. So what I do for winter care, and I want to say winter care because it's really not much of a protection plan. Um, it's winter care in the fall, usually uh, late October or early November. I cut back my modern roses about half, about half, whatever their growth was this year. I just say, okay, where would be half of the plant? And I cut that down. Part of the reason I do that is because I live in a very windy area. In addition to being close to Puget Sound, uh, that allows a lot of space for wind from Canada to be coming down into my garden area. And so we get, in November, we get these storms that can blow and rain for days on end, it seems like. And so I've learned that if I haven't cut my roses back by half, <clears throat> you know, by November, uh, I'm risking those 
newly formed feeder roots from the rocking and shifting that might happen during the wintertime. And that's especially true on my miniature and mini flora roses. If they've only been in the ground one to two years and we get one of those big storms, I mean, there've been years where I'd go out there after a storm and I'd see one or two of them like laying over, or tilting a little bit and go, oh, this is not a good thing. Uh, but to just hope for the best and hope that that doesn't happen. So that's why I cut them back. And generally people that have time to do this will cut them back by 50% before about the 1st of November. And then what happens naturally is as the sunlight uh, decreases and you know gets shorter days, the plants recognize that and they, you know, their growth is very, very slow. And so really what's happening is during all this rainy weather, the roots are still growing, but the photosynthesis and the you know, growing and blooming doesn't happen. Um, and then by December, and especially with the week between Christmas and New Year, we can get some pretty cold weather some years. Um, December 21, we had like, it got down to 17 degrees, which is pretty outrageous for this area. When you stop to consider it's a maritime climate, we're close to the Puget Sound, you know, it shouldn't be getting that cold but it doesn't stay cold very long. So let's say it gets down to 17 degrees overnight, you know, for a couple hours, and then it'll come back up to 28 or 29. And I do know that the roses can survive the 28 or 29 because they're not actively growing and um, I'm not concerned about the foliage. So, um, and the rainy season continues, uh, you know, pretty steadily through January, I find. And then in February, we get what some people call false spring. Um, whatever our, our earth position is on the rotation of the sun, around the sun, excuse me, we get more sunlight. And by about the 15th of February, um, we get more than 10 hours of sunlight. And that seems to be the key for things really wanting to start to grow and bud out. So usually before the 15th of February, I choose a dry day and take some neem oil and put it in my sprayer with water as recommended on the label. And I take that and I spray all my roses and usually that will help remove any leaves that will be left. And it also helps to get rid of any overwintering insects or disease. So I spray with neem oil or horticultural oil. I like to do it twice actually, because sometimes my spraying, you know, isn't so perfect and you miss spots. So by about the middle of February in my climate, you'll notice more light and you'll notice the bud eyes of roses starting to swell. And that's when I start to think about pruning my roses. As crazy as that's gonna to sound to people in certain parts of the country, by the end of February, some years, I can start pruning my roses. It's also a really good time for us to purchase new roses. February and March, 
are the best times to go to the nursery here and select new roses because they've just gotten their stock in for the year. And then we can purchase them, know they're fresh, bring them home, plant them, still have a bit, a few months of rainy season so that these new plants will get established and grow feeder roots and be ready to go and bloom by June. So March is a really busy month here. Uh, where I live, March 10th is our typical last frost date, but not this year. You know, it's been cold all across the country and it was cold here also and rainy. We've had record rains in the Pacific Northwest in my, the coastal part of Pacific Northwest. And uh, my garden is looking pretty good now. I mean, it was fungal hell for a while, trying to manage all the fungal diseases that came because of the rain. Even though I did that horticultural oil in February and did a second one of neem oil, it seems like all the local fungi multiply and blow around in the wind and land on my roses and other places. So the last frost for me this year was probably, let me see, I'd have to almost look that up. I can't talk about that yet. Um, I keep these notebook pages where I write all that stuff down. Being retired, I, I kind of get a kick out of keeping my garden notes. Uh, let's see. The last frost I had this year was April 17th. By that I mean not a killing frost, but frost on the grass. Um, the, the soil doesn't really get frozen. It's just like overnight for a couple hours with all the abundant moisture. If it gets cold, we'll see some frost on the grass. So that was like five weeks late this year in 2022. It was a very cold spring. Very cold spring. Um, so what's going on? April, May, uh, May, I did some mulch on my roses. And so that's sort of how the year flows here. But in October, you know, it seems like in the northern tier of states, October is when people spring into action. I know when I lived in Minnesota, that was the time we had to do the Minnesota tip or other heroic kinds of uh, winter protection. And out here in this climate, we've been here 11 years already. And I would say I haven't lost any roses, any rose canes to, you know, how they get black, they die because of the severe cold, because of the way the cold comes. It doesn't stay for very long. I mean, it does come down, you know, like I said, this last Christmas, New Year's, down to 17, but that was only for an hour or two. That was like the minimum, on my minimum maximum temperature gauge uh, for an hour or two. And then since there wasn't very much light, very much growth happening above the ground, then I, I can tell that the plants survived pretty well. Uh, let's see, what else do I need to tell you? That's about it, really, for winter protection, or I can't really call it winter protection, but winter um, plan planning for my rose garden. Right now, I have about 250 roses, and I have about maybe seven of those are tree roses. I do absolutely nothing to those tree roses. It's wonderful. 
uh, to have those tree roses. The first couple of years I was here when they were new tree roses planted in half wine barrels, I did put, I put some, uh, I was concerned about the roots. So I put some evergreen boughs uh, around the base, around the wine barrels, because I knew that if there was going to be a freeze, the wine barrels would not totally protect them as if they were in the ground. But I haven't lost any roses or haven't lost any tree roses. Uh, very happy with growing roses out here in the Pacific Northwest District of the American Rose Society. Could talk for hours and hours about fungal diseases and prevention and all that kind of thing, but that's not the topic of this audio. So hopefully we'll learn some more about the climates and growing roses and winter protection in other areas. Thanks for having me do this, Teresa. Hi, Rose Chat podcast listeners. My name is Suzanne Gilbert. I am a consulting Rosarian and I am the current president of the Houston Rose Society. I also serve as a secretary for the South Central District of the American Rose Society. I have been gardening in hot, humid Houston for over 30 years. Most of the Houston area is in Garden Zone 9A. My former house had what I call a small suburban garden. The roses grew in raised beds, especially built for them, filled with rose soil with expanded shale mixed in. They received full sun all day. My small suburban garden contained around 75 roses. There were six climbers, Climbing Pinky, Will Scarlet, Don Juan, Cornelia, and Buff Beauty. The beds were filled with Floribundas, Old Garden Roses, Shrub Roses, Hybrid Teas, and a few mini floras. I also grew several roses in containers. My favorite roses in my former garden were the climbers. I love their flush of blooms in the spring and the vertical aspect they gave to my garden. I was also fond of Mr. Lincoln, Savannah, Cinco de Mayo, and Hot Cocoa. This year in March, we moved to a new house. At least it was new for us, and the challenge of building a new garden has begun. Right now, my roses are in pots. There are two roses in large containers, some mini floras, and two climbers that need to be planted very soon. The two roses in the large containers are true passion roses hybridized by Ping Lim. They have bloomed continuously this summer in the 100 plus degree heat. My mini floras are in areas where they receive shade from the brutal afternoon sun. Currently, my husband and I are working with a landscape architect designing the infrastructure for our new garden. The actual building of the new beds will probably start in October. Planting will begin in November and continue into the spring, depending on the availability of the roses I choose for the garden. I'm excited about my new garden. There probably won't be as many roses, so I am researching to make sure the ones that are in a place will be truly outstanding. And then, as all rose gardeners know, if a rose doesn't work out, it can be moved. My husband will ask me, are you sure you want that rose moved? 
Then he'll shake his head and say, okay, where do you want me to dig the new hole? Teresa asked me to discuss winter rose care in Houston with you. In general, Houston has mild winters. The highs can be in the 60s and the lows in the 40s at night. But sometimes winter weather in southeast Texas can be like a seesaw. The temperatures will be in the 80s and then a norther blows through and the temperatures can drop 30 degrees. In the Valentine's Day freeze of 2021, Houston temperatures dropped to 15 degrees with snow and sleet. It stayed below freezing for several days. This was a tough time for our roses and many other plants. I like to think winter rose care in Houston begins around Labor Day. During the first two weeks of September, I groom my roses for fall. I cut out the dead and diseased wood. I give my roses a small haircut, shaping them for fall bloom. By Labor Day, hot cocoa, Cinco de Mayo, and Mr. Lincoln in my former garden were infringing on the space of their neighboring roses. So I did trim the canes on those roses, opening up space between them. But let me be clear. This is not the severe pruning we do in February when the bush is cut back a third or more. September is still a very hot month. Temperatures can be in the 90s or even close to 100. A rose needs as much foliage as possible to make food and draw up water to keep it alive until fall arrives with a drop in temperatures. After fall grooming, it is time to give our Houston roses their last granular feeding for the year. Water-soluble fertilizers can also be applied until the end of September. It is very important to water thoroughly before fertilizing and after fertilizing. The reason a final feeding around Labor Day is recommended is that we do not want our roses to produce new growth in the winter months when a freeze could occur. At this time, it is also recommended to apply a thick layer of mulch around the roses. I like hardwood mulch, but there are other choices and many rosarians use pine straw. The mulch in insulates the rose roots, protecting them from heat and cold. Usually around the end of October, our roses produce a beautiful fall bloom. After this, no more grooming is done. We want our roses to slow down growing as much as possible for winter. Winter rose care is easy for Houston in a year with a mild winter. But things can become complicated when freezing temperatures arrive. It behooves the rosarian to keep an eye on the long-range forecast. Sometimes winters can be dry with little rain. It is important to keep roses well watered during the winter, especially if a hard freeze is predicted. Drying winds followed by a hard freeze can do damage to our roses. In our area, roses growing on rootstock are planted with the crown a few inches above the soil. Many Houston rosarians grow roses on Fortuniana rootstock. This is a great rootstock for our area. The roses are vigorous with large blooms. However, 
The fibrous roots grow shallowly near the surface of the soil and it can extend far out from the plant. These roses generally need to be staked, which keeps them from being blown over in a storm. If a sustained freeze is predicted under 25 degrees, the crown of the plant should be covered with a hill of mulch or leaves. This is especially important for tender varieties or newly planted roses. I usually keep a few bags of mulch in my garden shed for this purpose. After the freeze is over, the mulch and leaves are pulled back to expose the crown. Roses growing on their own roots also need the benefit of the protective covering of mulch to sustain them through a freeze. My roses generally had about three inches of mulch on top of the soil. For my roses in containers, I bring the small ones into the garage. If they are in containers too large to move, I mulch them and then wrap them with a couple layers of freeze cloth, making sure the cloth is securely tied so the wind will not blow it off. I keep a stash of freeze cloth on hand for this purpose. In the record-breaking winter storm of February 2021, many rosarians lost roses, myself included. Some were ones that had been doing poorly in the growing season. Interestingly, the spring bloom across the city was amazing that year. Winter is also a good time to evaluate roses in the garden, deciding which ones need to be moved or deleted. It is the best time to move roses or build new beds. I enjoy the winter months because I am planning for the new rose season. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share this information with you today. Hi, I'm Lynn Hunt, speaking to you from the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. I guess you could call my rose garden here a cottage garden. My tidy mess, as Gertrude Jekyll used to say. I mostly have shrubs blended with lots of salvias, catnets, lavenders, hummingbird mints, and other perennials. Once I was told we could only grow knockouts here, to which I promptly replied, rubbish. My David Austin English roses, cordis roses, polyanthus, climbers, and miniatures are very happy in the mountains. Thank you. The area where we live is called Sapphire. And depending on exactly where you're standing at some moment in time, I could be in USDA zone 6A, 6B, 7A, or 7B. But to keep from total confusion, I consider us to be in zone 6B. We moved here from the eastern shore of Maryland in 2011. I'd been coming to these mountains since I was in high school, and Hurricane Isabel in 2003 convinced us it might be a good idea to move here full time. The waters from the little chop tank came within an inch of going into the house. My rose garden was swamped, and I found a flounder in the front yard. But we were one of the lucky ones. So now we sit at 3,600 feet above sea level. If we get flooded out here, we're all in trouble. My garden in Maryland was in zone 7B. Although I thought the winters were colder there, I don't believe they actually were. We didn't have the horrible killing freezes in late March and April we do here. They always seem to catch me and the garden off guard. 
I had quite a few standards and tree roses in Maryland, and one of my few wintered care jobs there was to wrap the bud unions in pantyhose or those leg knee-high stockings you get at the drugstore. I don't do that here. Maybe I've just gotten lazy, or maybe I don't want to think about buying pantyhose for the rest of my life. Anyway, fall is here, and it's pretty much my favorite season. It's a time when pumpkins and mums dominate the garden landscape. But the real treat is to see some of my favorite roses making their final appearances of the season. These last roses of summer can often be the sweetest. The nip in the air deepens the colors and the blooms themselves are sometimes a bit larger than usual. Of course, just because winter's coming, it's no time to just lay back, eat bonbons and watch the leaves turn. There are chores to do in the garden and my list is mostly comprised of do's and don'ts. For starters, I don't cut my roses back in the autumn. If you prune now, you'll just suffer dieback and will have to cut back more severely in the spring. I wait until the forsythia blooms here before breaking out the pruning shears. An exception would be ramblers that bloom on old wood. If I wait till next year to tidy them up, I may well cut off potential new flowers. Trim about one third of the growth now and cut out any dead canes. I also suggest trimming back bushes that have developed extra long canes. In my garden, English roses such as James Galway and the Climber Honeymoon have thrown out six-foot canes. I trim those back to waist height so they don't whip around in winter winds, injuring themselves, their neighbors, or me. Don't trim off rose hips, the colorful fruits that form in late summer and early fall. They often turn lovely shades of orange-red and are a signal to the bush that it's time to get ready for a long winter's nap. I do tear off and destroy any leaves that display signs of disease or insect infestation. I do my last spraying of roses and the ground beneath them in late October. I also dig up and discard any bushes that have died or look sickly. I identify any bushes that may need extra winter protection. Most of my newer shrubs and miniatures don't need special care. If you aren't sure whether a variety is tender or not, play it safe and add an 8-inch mound of soil, compost, leaf mold, or other organic material around the base of the bush. Check with an American Rose Society consulting rosarian in your area for additional advice and winter protection tips. Finally, I'll scour the catalogs when they arrive and start dreaming about new plants to add to the garden next year. It's a flight of fancy that will transport me away from the woes of winter. Thanks so much for listening, and I wish all my rose-loving friends a happy fall. Friends, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed these winter rose tales as much as I did. And stay tuned. More in the series is coming soon. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag RoseChat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast.
The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.